The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre-recorded earlier this week. The Everyday Wealth Radio Show and podcast are produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Ms. Chatsky and Ms. O'Brien are not employees or clients of the firm. They receive fixed cash compensation for acting as hosts and related activities and therefore have an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everyday-wealth. The 2021 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm Ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory records, staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2021 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and personal finance expert Gene Chatsky. Presented by Edelman Financial Engines. Ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Hi, everyone. I'm Jean Chatsky. And I'm Soledad O'Brien, and you are listening to Everyday Wealth. If you've been hearing and reading financial news, it's a little bit like watching ping pong, but a very, very stressful game of ping pong, <laughs> I guess. You know, because, listen, you know, we're headed for a recession. No, wait, wait. Nope, nope, not headed for a recession. Gas prices are at all-time highs, out of control. Nope, nope, they're back down. Are we sad they're back down? Mom-and-pop stores now are hurting because they're coming back down. Every week, it's this back and forth. Fourth, it adds to stress, especially if you're already feeling stressed out about your finances. It's practically impossible to sit on the sidelines and watch numbers going down and down when it comes to your investments, going up when it comes to prices. Financial stress rates are on the rise. And given, of course, the 24-7 news cycle and all those uh, dramatic headlines, really not surprising at all. So we thought this show would be focused on that What do you do? How do you alleviate financial stress, which is a very real and realistic stress? And how do you get yourself to feel like you're back in control? Exactly. And the problem with financial stress, I think like many types of stress, it's not just something that we feel emotionally. It's not just something that we feel in our heads. These feelings turn into physical issues, backaches, stomach aches. They can have real ramifications for our health and for our well-being. A recent study that was commissioned by Edelman Financial Engines from EBRI, which is the Employee Benefits Research Institute, said 54% of retirees say inflation is keeping them up at night. 33% say market volatility is keeping them up at night. As listeners know, this show is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. And every single week, we get to hear from Edelman Financial Engines, wealth planners. And I got to say, I cannot think of a better time than right now to have somebody looking out for you, to have somebody making sure that you're making the good financial decisions and not letting your emotions lead the way. I've been talking to my own financial advisors on a regular basis, and one likened it to a traffic jam. And he said, you know that feeling when you're in a bull market is kind of like you're hitting every single green light 
on your way to your destination. And a bear market is kind of the opposite. You hit every single red light or you're in a traffic jam and your lane will not budge, but the lane next to yours, that actually seems to be moving. So you move over and you get stuck again. And he said, this is what emotional, undisciplined investors tend to do during bear markets. They start frantically changing lanes Mm -hmm. to look for the openings that really aren't there. And as a result, they just make the situation worse because when the road finally clears, as it will, traffic starts moving and you're in the wrong place. And I just thought, yeah, like this is what you pay an advisor to do. So if you are not working with somebody like this or... If you're not working with somebody who you feel is really leading you in the right direction right now, you can give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call at 833-PLAN-EFE or visit them at planefe.com. Many people don't know, Jean, that you and I started working together at NBC News. And I remember Tom Brokaw was the main anchor. And one day there was a big breaking news story, right? And three people usher Tom into the set. And he goes to the camera. He's like, good evening. I'm Tom Brokaw. You know, he does that. That was. That was actually not a bad impersonation. That was pretty good. That, that was, was not pretty bad. impressive, actually. But one of the senior producer leans over to me and says, this is the moment when he gets paid. In the big moment when it's all going to hell in a handbasket, that's actually when the high-priced anchor talent is making their money. On the easy days, you know, when everybody's running through those green lights to keep your metaphor going, it's all peachy keen. But when it's hard and it's challenging and you need the skill, that's when you make your money. Today, for our discussion, we're going to be talking to Andy Smith. He's been on our show before. He's a wealth planner for Edelman Financial Engines. Andy is so kind of blunt and straightforward. Mm -hmm. I really want to know what kinds of conversations that he has with his clients. And then we're going to be talking to, this is so interesting, a financial stress expert, Amanda Clayman. She's a financial therapist, which, by the way, I didn't even know that was a thing She's going to talk to us about how she helps people bring money into balance. Before we get to all of that, though, uh, let's take a look back at what's been happening in the world. What do you got for us, Jean? Yeah, you mean the things that are making people stressed (laughs) and anxious, right? those things. So as we've been talking about, Soledad, the overarching goal right now when it comes to our economy is to slow inflation down without sinking the U.S. into a long and painful recession. And we are already seeing signs that the economy is slowing a bit. The question is, is it slowing enough? And that's what's going to be driving the Federal Reserve as it decides what's going to happen, what's going to be announced on July 27th. Will they go with a three-quarter of a percentage point increase? Will they go with a full percentage point increase. That's actually on the table because of the latest round of inflation reports. And the larger the number, the bigger the impact it's going to have on borrowers, on savers, and on the market. So what factors will be on the table as the Fed debates and decides? The first one is jobs. So for a year now, we have been adding about 550,000 jobs a month to the economy. We've regained all, all of the 22 million jobs that we lost at the outset of the pandemic, but that growth is slowing. 
Last week's job report was stronger than expected. We added 372,000 new jobs to the economy. Wages were up slightly, but they were not up enough to keep up with that inflation, which again came in hotter than the month before. It came in at 9.1%. So again, we are talking about a new four-decade high. That may argue for the bigger number. Yes, gas prices have come down a bit. The price to buy a house seems to have stalled, but there are now bidding markets out there if you are a renter, if you can believe that. So it is a bit of a mixed picture, and we are just going to have to not only wait and see, I think, but really just slog it out. I'm curious if you think employees have less leverage. Remember, I mean, not too long ago, yeah. we were talking about the Great Resignation, and now it seems like, yeah, you might want to stick hard with that company you got because uh, – we're going to have some very challenging times ahead. I, I totally agree with you. We're starting to see people regretting the jobs that they took. I'm actually curious to hear what Andy Smith has to say. And, and let's let's bring him into the conversation. Andy is an Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner. He's from Indianapolis. Andy, it's really good to see you. Welcome back. Hi, Andy. Hey, good to see both of you. How are you? Great. So your phone, Andy, it must be ringing off the hook these days. I, I mean, <laughs> we are all losing money right now. And, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm a little worried. You know, the phones have been ringing quite a bit. You talked about Brocon, about this is when everything really matters. Your advisor, your planner, this is absolutely when they should be and are earning their fee. Because there's all this negativity out there. There's all this news. People are trying to make sense of, you know, what's going on? What does this mean? What does it mean to me and my money and my family? And if your advisor is not picking up the phone, if your advisor is not emailing or sending out information, if your advisor or planner, they're not looking at the investments, trading the accounts, rebalancing, tax loss harvesting, there's something wrong. And if that stuff isn't happening... I hate to say it, but you should probably be looking for somebody else to help manage your wealth and, and manage your money. I'm curious if people sort of ask you the same three things or if they come to you in the same stressed out way. There is some commonality. People are wanting to know what the heck is going on. I open up my statements for the first time in X number of months. It freaked me out. What the heck are you doing? Did I hire an idiot? You know, in a nice way, right? What people want to know is... They know that they made the right decision coming to work with us. They trust us. There is a relationship there. They know that we're looking at things. They know that we're helping them manage their money, manage their overall portfolio. But people are having a hard time sleeping at night. They're staring at the ceiling at 3 o'clock in the morning, figuring out, can I retire? Did I make a terrible decision to retire? Can I stay retired? And look, the markets are terrible right now. And an advisor isn't going to make you not lose money. You choose to invest. You take on a certain amount of calculated risk because you're looking at a longer-term time horizon. The advisor helps you pull everything together and helps look at all of those different pieces to say, this is what you need to be doing with your investments. This is what you need to be thinking about with Social Security. This is how you need to plan for income or debt management or insurance or all these different things together. So, 
yes, there's a lot of calls and people are asking what's going on with the market and why am I losing money? They inherently know that just because they work with me doesn't mean that they're not going to lose money. But they want to understand what's going on and what it means because we've helped them think longer and longer term. And that's really what people want to understand. Help me feel better in the short term so that I can stay focused again on the long term. Andy, we got to pause for just a moment, but we're not letting you off the hook yet. You're listening to Everyday Wealth, and Gene and I will be back in just a moment. Not all financial planners are created equal. See why partnering with the right wealth planner could have a significant impact on your financial future, especially with today's market volatility and economic uncertainty. Join Edelman Financial Engines for a new webinar, Why Choosing the Right Wealth Planner Matters, on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be the host, and together we'll walk through how you can benefit from an integrated planning approach that helps connect the important parts of your financial life, including tax, estate, and retirement income planning. Why only one type of advisor is legally obligated to serve your best interests, and how to talk fees, which arrangement helps mitigate conflicts of interest. The webinar is on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. You can register right now at planefe.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Soledad O'Brien here with Gene Chatsky. We're talking more about the emotional side of personal finance with Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner Andy Smith. So, Andy, when I, I think about investing in the market, I often think about it the same way as loaning people money. It's a risky decision and you might not get it back. Like that is how, I guess, psychologically I've managed to wrap my head around investing because I, I worry that if I'm really closely tied to I need to make this back exactly at this date so I can do X, Y, and Z, uh, I think I'd be more stressed, right? Um, I think it's about calculated risk. So one of the things that that we always try to do is there's there's kind of an underlying plan that has a lot of different goals in it, right? Some people know that they want to retire at X date or think that they want to retire at X date, or some people want to have X amount of money to live on all the way through retirement. So when we build these plans, we have these kind of different modular goals. The goals themselves drive a lot of the decision-making within the rest of the plan. So if you want this amount of money when you retire, well, how long do you need to work? Or if you know that pensions are going to start at a certain date, what do you need to do with Social Security? When you talk about investing and taking on risk, a lot of what we're trying to do is we're, we're really trying to find the least amount of risk necessary that you got to take on for you to be able to reach your goals. So if you want 10 grand a month in retirement and you've saved not that much money, you might have to work longer or save more or take on more risk. So this decision about how to invest in the market, no matter what the market is doing, it's not so much, oh my gosh, I need to do this because this is what the market's doing. It's what does my plan say? What are my goals? What am I trying to solve for? And then that's how you choose to take on that calculated risk that I was talking about. The risk that people don't think about is the risk that you're taking when you're not investing, when you're just sticking mm. your money in the bank. And that's oh, absolutely. particularly true right now. I mean, we've got inflation. I was talking about it before at these incredibly high rates. You put your money in the bank. 
after taxes and inflation, you are losing a substantial amount of money. If you're not investing, you're not even keeping up. It's not a perfect way to think about it, but I would tell people, you know, take the rate of inflation. You know, you were talking about CPI. Fed looks at PCE, personal consumption expenditures. So you, you basically take these numbers, put a negative sign in front of it. That's what you're losing by having these stockpiles, these mounds of cash in checking and savings, money market, CDs. I mean, you love seeing it, right? You think that it doesn't change value and you're okay earning a pittance from the bank. Well, the problem is you have to maintain your purchasing power. Look at what's happened over the last couple of months and they think that it's going to continue forever. It's not going to continue forever. We don't know when it's going to stop, but I've been doing this a long time. This isn't my first rodeo. And so people have all of these thoughts back from, you know, 99, 2002, 2003, 2006, 08, 09, um, 2012, Brexit, 2016, uh, 2020. If you're only looking at the last three months and thinking that that's how life is going to continue down the road, you're stockpiling cash. You think that you've got it made. Meanwhile, inflation is just eating your lunch in the background and you are losing a lot more with that lost purchasing power than you could ever imagine. And if you've saved more than you could ever consume over your lifespan, I mean, what Andy, Andy's point about your risk and the amount of risk that you have to take being directly tied to your goals is a really important one. I think particularly for women, this is how women invest. We know what we want to accomplish. It's not the number on the return that is the game for us. It's it's getting to the thing that we actually want. And that's where an advisor can puzzle the pieces together for you. Because if you save more than you could ever consume, you don't have to take any risk at all. <laughs> you know, at that point, you can just you can just put your money in a money market fund and let it go. But if you need your money to work for you, that calculated risk and how to do it in a way where you're not trying to make up for a lack of saving with too much risk. That's the dance. That's where the value of an advisor comes through for me. If you have one, fantastic. If you don't, you can reach out to Edelman Financial Engines by calling 833-PLAN-EFE or you can go to planefe.com. Andy, can you just distinguish between cash and sell? The need right. to have cash is is really important in a down market, especially if you are in or close to retirement. But my husband and I were talking about this in the car. Like, you don't really hear financial advisors saying, sell. It's mostly good, holistic financial advisors. Hold on for the long term, and here's why. Right. So there absolutely is a difference. Cash or liquidity is an appropriate part of anybody's overall long-term financial portfolio. But that's for good markets or sideways markets or down markets. I mean, there's always that some people call it an emergency fund. Some people call it savings or just checking something that is just a little bit more readily accessible. And it's not like you're going to go into the bank and there's going to be a bag of money there that says Gene or Soledad on it, right? And you're going to pour it into your bathtub like Scrooge McDuck. But it's, a, it's just a different type of liquidity. Unfortunately, there's a lot of unscrupulous actors out there 
who want people to think that market timing is like the easiest thing in the world. And if your idiot advisor isn't market timing for you, then they're doing something wrong. Well, the problem with market timing or selling to cash is that not only do you have to pick the right time to sell, but then you have to turn around and know exactly the right time to buy. Nobody's going to top tick or bottom tick the market. So when we talk about cash and people call in and they say, do I need to be selling to cash right now? I dive in and I try to figure out or update my numbers relating to their overall liquidity. Do you have emergency savings? Anywhere between three to 24 months of monthly expenses on hand. That's different than some sort of cash buffer or risk buffer inside the portfolio. And once people are reminded that these are the ways that we look at things, then all the stuff that they're seeing online or with these junk emails that they get or, you know, talking to friends or anything else, yeah, you can tell me that you're selling to cash and you sold, you know, last October, but you don't know when you're going to get back in because people don't think in those black and white absolutes. We live in this gray uncertainty. That's why you have to have a lot of things in a lot of different places all the time so that no matter what's happening in the market, it's it's making sense for your underlying portfolio. Such good points. And can I just say, I really appreciate the bluntness and the candor. You do not get that type of candor from most investors. You get it from Andy, which is why we love him. And you'll get it from the more than 300 EFE advisors across the country. Now, by the way, is when you need it most. So pick up the phone and call 833-PLAN-EFE or go online at planefe.com. You know, I want the bag of cash. T- Actually, I well, feel, I'm yeah, devastated yes. that there's not Other a bag of too, cash yeah. for me. But, but we, yeah. you know, junk emails and your idiot advisor, right? I mean, like you have to know that you are in the right hands because, yes, we all want our accounts to just go up. That is not how it works. We got to take a quick break, but we're not going to let you off the hook. Andy, we've got more questions for you. Stay with us, everyone. I'm Jean Chatsky here with Soledad O'Brien. You're listening to Everyday Wealth and we'll be right back. Not all financial planners are created equal. See why partnering with the right wealth planner could have a significant impact on your financial future, especially with today's market volatility and economic uncertainty. Join Edelman Financial Engines for a new webinar, Why Choosing the Right Wealth Planner Matters, on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be the host, and together we'll walk through how you can benefit from an integrated planning approach that helps connect the important parts of your financial life, including tax, estate, and retirement income planning. Why only one type of advisor is legally obligated to serve your best interests, and how to talk fees, which arrangement helps mitigate conflicts of interest. The webinar is on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. You can register right now at planefe.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Soledad O'Brien here with Gene Chatsky. We're continuing our conversation about the emotional side of your money with Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner Andy Smith. This is one of those situations that we talk about all the time where working with a wealth planner could help. If you have one, fantastic. If you don't, you can reach out to Edelman Financial Engines by calling 
833-PLAN-EFE, or you can go to planefe.com and someone will be happy to help. Andy, we were talking about when people actually earn their fee, and it's not in the, the easy times. It's obviously when things are difficult and things are tough. It's got to be hard for a client to manage this, to think about it, to manage it emotionally. And just to pile on, Andy, because, you know, I like to pile on, <laughs> yeah. you know, how, how people are responding to current market conditions is it's pretty significant particularly when we look at financial stress. In May and April, 35-ish percent of households reported difficulty in paying their usual household expenses. When, when you can't pay your bills, when you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck, that is more than stressful. Uh, it absolutely is. This is when advisors, this is when planners, this is when financial professionals really are earning their fee, right? There's a reason why the airlines hire a lot of former naval and air force pilots because they've been trained in incredibly stressful situations. When everything starts to go south, you want somebody who you can contact. You want somebody who you have a relationship with. You want somebody that you can trust to put their arm around you and lead you through that stressful situation. It's super easy to manage money on your own in a bull market. The problem is, is when everything turns and goes the other way, people completely forget how to act like human beings. And at the first possible just whiff of negativity, sell to cash. How much do we do? Do we need to get super conservative? Oh my gosh, I got this email newsletter that says I should go buy a cabin in the woods and a case of baked beans, but buy this stock newsletter that's going to tell me the seven stocks I got to own right now. So everything that people are feeling right now is absolutely normal. The problem is if they don't have an outlet, if they don't have somebody that they can trust and talk to, about everything that's happening, they're just going to blow themselves up. If you had asked me six months ago, you know, what my advisor does, I would have said, helps pick my investments, manages my investments, sends me a little note with how we're doing. This is up. This is down. That's it. And and actually, it seems like there's much, much more. In the conversations that we have early on, there is so much that we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about insurance. We're talking about tax loss harvesting. We're talking about larger estate planning issues. We're not attorneys. We're not drafting trusts and wills. We're helping people think about different things that they can do with this hard-earned wealth for their family, things that they can enjoy and watch happen while they're still with us as opposed to once they pass. We deal a lot with Social Security planning. If you claim too early, you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. Or you could be leaving your spouse, if you happen to die first, in a really bad situation because of how much less he or she may end up receiving because you made an ill-timed decision. All of that together, again, is where the financial planner really derives his or her fee. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, my my, <laughs> my guy doesn't do any of this. doesn't yeah, do exactly. any of that. You know, this is when you call and say, hey, why aren't you doing this? And why is it taking me to call you to remind you how to do your job? So that's kind of like taking the nice way out. But if you're at the end of your rope and you're saying, look, this is this is it. It's time to make a change. This is when you probably need to be looking at interviewing some other people, talking with some other people because they are not earning their money for you right now. 
If you're telling someone how to do your job, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is not a good relationship and it should end. I try to to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's a a crummy situation because people are staring at the ceiling at 3 o'clock in the morning. They call their investment advisor. They call their planner. Hopefully they call them back. Hopefully there's some method of communication. But a lot of times there's not. People are going through this. They haven't heard from anybody. Um, They don't know what's going on, what it means, what it means to them. And so they're just set adrift here these last seven, eight, nine months. And they really have all of that stress and anxiety that, that you were talking about earlier. So the problem with not getting the call back is that that's when you make a really bad decision, Mm, right? I mean, that's when you decide, okay, well, I know what I'm doing because I made all this money in a bull market. And so I know what I'm doing now and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And, And in my mind, part of the role, part of your job, Andy, is to talk me off that ledge, whether I'm feeling financial stress or financial anxiety, and they're kind of different. What's the difference? Financial stress and financial anxiety kind of sound like the same bucket of badness to me. What's the nuance difference? And they both, I guess, could put you on the couch of of a good therapist, but financial stress is, it's what's happening right now. It's prices. It's the fact that your investments are down. It's your current interest rates that you're facing or you're paying. It's the stuff that's happening in and of the moment. The financial anxiety is over what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future, what happens if my investments go down big, continue to go down big, and I can't retire. And I think, Andy, there are different solutions in your toolbox for handling stress versus anxiety. A lot of times I'm basically a financial speed bump. So people call and they say, oh, my gosh, I think I need to sell out of the market. Or, oh, my gosh, I think in good markets, hey, let's load up on some wacko growth stock that somebody told me about at work. The decision is still yours to make. It's your money. It's your hard-earned wealth. You have all of your faculties about you. But when you don't have somebody to run these ideas past, when you don't have somebody to talk about that stress or that anxiety, you know, the financial anxiety that people are are feeling, it's, you know, worry is interest paid in advance. You don't pay interest in advance. So all these things that people are worried about, this anxiety that they're having, it's normal when they don't have somebody to bounce all these things off of then they're making what could be just, you know, terrible decisions. So, Andy, what are three things that our listeners can do right now to help get rid of this stress that they are feeling on a regular basis? Sure. Um, Number one, stay in the know, but don't feel like you got to know everything about everything. I talk with people, this is what's happened. This is what it means. This is what it means to you and your money. If you can think in those terms, you're going to save yourself the potential for a lot of stress and anxiety down the road. The second thing is try to figure out who you're comfortable working with, but make sure that you work with somebody that you trust. You don't just want somebody who's going to manage your investments. You want somebody who can look at your overall financial picture, talk about all those things that we mentioned earlier, social security, insurance, income planning, expense planning, and figure out then what it means that you need to do with your investments. So stay in the know, work with somebody that you trust. And then finally, just realize that you can only control what you can control. You're not going to control the markets. You're not going to control the economy. 
you have to know that sometimes changing your behavior will have much more positive effects for a lot of different things down the road, even if you change one little thing. Maybe, hey, in the morning, the first thing that you look at is not a deep dive into the news. Hey, maybe you don't look at your 401k 8 billion times during the workday. If you don't start small, then you're going to have all of that stress. You're going to have all of that anxiety, and it's going to continue to just drive you into the ground because you weren't able to do that one little thing there at the beginning. Andy, I think that's some really great advice. And if you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, I have not heard that in recent months from my advisor, well, give EFE a call. The number is 833-PLAN-EFE. You can also always go online at planefe.com. Andy, we got to take a short break. You're going to want to stick around, though, everybody. Uh, coming up next, we're going to welcome Amanda Clayman. She's a financial therapist. We're going to discuss how to handle financial stress and anxiety. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Gene Chatsky. Andy, thanks a ton. Stay with us, everybody. We're back right after this short break. Not all financial planners are created equal. See why partnering with the right wealth planner could have a significant impact on your financial future, especially with today's market volatility and economic uncertainty. Join Edelman Financial Engines for a new webinar, Why Choosing the Right Wealth Planner Matters, on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be the host, and together we'll walk through how you can benefit from an integrated planning approach that helps connect the important parts of your financial life, including tax, estate, and retirement income planning. Why only one type of advisor is legally obligated to serve your best interests, and how to talk fees, which arrangement helps mitigate conflicts of interest. The webinar is on Tuesday, July 19th at 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. You can register right now at planefe.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Soledad O'Brien here with Gene Chatsky. We're continuing our conversation on how to handle financial stress and anxiety for good reason, because there's been a lot of financial stress and anxiety lately. And I think, Gene, for some pretty good reasons, actually. A hundred percent. In our last segment, we were discussing how important it is to have somebody who is objective and unemotional, which is so hard, looking out for your best interests. We even walked through what they should be doing for you during this really volatile market environment. So I, I think Andy's got a great approach of having your financial advisor really help navigate difficult times. This is what you need professionally speaking. You're so right, Soledad. We have this ongoing personal relationship with money, and we've got our advisors who take this holistic view and help us plan for the long term, but we deal with our money every single day, right? We deal with our emotions every single day. It's not like we're going to pick up our phone and call them on a daily basis. We need to be able to handle our own emotions in the moment. With us today is Amanda Clayman. She's a financial therapist, which was 
a gig I didn't even know existed a couple weeks ago. Uh, and also, she's been on the Death, Sex, and Money podcast and hosts Financial Therapy with Amanda Clayman. Amanda helps bring money into balance. I don't think people think money and balance often in the same sentence. So we'll talk about that. And we're very excited to have you with us, Amanda. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Soledad. Hi, Jean. Great to be here. Thank you. It's nice to see you. So I think Soledad's not the only person for whom financial therapy is kind of a new thing. So what is it? What what do you do day to day? Financial therapy is a way of engaging those parts of financial well-being that sometimes we don't give a lot of attention to. I'm talking about the emotional and the relational and the psychological aspects of our financial life. We talk all the time about what the numbers say, but I I don't know that we put as much attention sometimes or hold as much space for people to really talk about the dilemmas or what's difficult or how they get in their own way. So those are kinds of um, the messy places are where financial therapists are helpful and, and can engage with clients to help them kind of unlock some things where they might have been getting in their own way. So is it thinking about money as just another sort of element of your, I don't know, upbringing, like how finances have affected your life and how you were raised and how you think about them? Am I getting it right? Yeah. What we find is that the way that we think about money is kind of siloed. We put it in this rational category. And so when we're having rational conversations about money, there's a whole lot of ourselves that that is excluded from that kind of a conversation. And similarly, when we're talking to our therapist or our mental health professional, we might find that money isn't such a natural fit for going into some of those more internal or or like you were mentioning the family of origin stuff. So financial therapy is is really just meeting in the kind of intersection of that Venn diagram. We're really looking at money, like how we make decisions or the associations that we have with money, the meaning of money, and also taking into account that a lot of our understanding and, and a lot of the patterns that we have with money as adults were actually set up and began in our family of origin. There's a sense of though, like, how was money treated in your family growing up? Do you remember the emotional sort of tone when money was discussed? I mean, these are things that that two and three-year-olds absolutely pick up and can sometimes follow us well into our adulthood. I did a story at one point about a woman who was raised to believe that her family was pretty poor, actually, and they turned out to be pretty wealthy. But her parents sort of never allowed her to experience that or see it. And as a result, when she grew up, she could just not spend any money on herself. She needed to go back and understand what happened in her childhood in order to be able to handle her adult life. How common is that? It's extremely common. I I would say that it's the norm and it really doesn't have to be. I, I think that the more we have conversations like this, that expand in a in a more holistic kind of way our understanding of what money is and how it shapes our lives that that can be incredibly helpful and i think we also have the opportunity to look back at some of the 
the factors that shaped us when it comes to money and to be able to recontextualize that as an adult. Like I, I bet that mother or those parents had very clear reasons to themselves why they thought that they were doing the right thing in presenting the family circumstances a particular way. But there are unintended consequences of all of that stuff because we never know what meaning the child will make out of that choice or that experience. So we're we're creating we're sort of categorizing what that experience means with our child brain and our limited child understanding. My parents, very much as children of the depression era, didn't talk about money. I remember once, you know, we, we, my mom pushing a giant shopping cart through the grocery store. And because we had a big family, we had eight people in the family, six kids, you know, we had two giant carts loaded with food for the week or, you know, 10 days or something. And, and my mom would, you know, get cash to pay at the register. And I think it was like $700 worth of food, like a massive food bill, because of course we had a big family. And I remember her kind of like hissing at me, like, do not tell anyone that we spend 700 Like she almost thought it was too flashy to spend $700 on, you know, groceries at the King Cullen in Long Island, New York in the 19, I don't know, 70s, 1980s. But um, so no surprise later, as my parents got older, like they just never were comfortable having conversations about money. And it really ended up being not a good thing. We've talked about it on the show before about, you know, in terms of just uh, helping them manage their their money, uh, helping them uh, talk about, you know, who was owed what and how they wanted to leave their money. It was all like this big black box of secrets. I don't know why. It's not I don't there is not a soul who would care that we spent $700 on groceries in the King Cullen. Like, who would care? But it was so interesting to me. The other day, my daughter, who's 21, was asking about um, our estate plan. I was on the phone trying to set up something for August, wrapping up our estate planning. Uh, and and she sort of was like, so how does it work? Can you explain it? And my reaction was to be like, oh, this is kind of private. And then I was like, why is it private? Like, this is literally the person who's going to be on the receiving end one day. And I said, you know what? Actually, once we get this all done in August, we're going to sit down with you and your sister and your brothers and walk everybody through how we have thought about our estate planning. Here's the decisions we're making. So this way, at least when I die, I'll get buried the way I want to get buried. But also, there won't be infighting, hopefully, right? Everyone will understand the thought around it. And I realize that my mom's secrecy really started all those years ago back in the King Cullen. And, you know, when we were experiencing it when she was in her 80s, this this secrecy, which was just not a good thing when it came to money. I'm wondering, is it more stressful when we don't have these conversations? We've been talking a lot about financial stress in this show. Who's most subject to being totally stressed out by their finances? Is it somebody like Soledad who, not to put you on the spot, Soledad, but go ahead. Who, you know, go ahead, whose parents really didn't want to talk about this stuff, didn't want, didn't want to have these conversations? Well, what I love about Soledad's story is that we really can notice a couple different things. Number one is the cultural cover provided by the taboo that we have around money. So the message that your mom was giving you, Soledad, is that this is not something that we share with other people. This is private information. So lots of people decide that something that feels really personal and vulnerable for them 
is private because privacy allows us to not have to go into that vulnerable space. Money brings up a ton of vulnerabilities. And the people who are most prone to financial stress are the ones who, the ones for whom feeling vulnerable is a straight shot to trying to control an outcome. And to a certain degree that explains, or that describes all of us, right? Like if we feel out of control, that's a yucky feeling, try to exert control and make ourselves feel safer. But especially when we're talking about finance, there are always parts of our financial lives that are not going to be in our control. We can figure out a strategy for those things once we make the decision to directly engage and ask ourselves, well, you know, the story I'm telling myself about this experience is X, and then think about what we want to do to change our orientation to that. Were you always good with money? I was so surprised when I first met Gina. We've known each other for a really long time that she wasn't good with money. In fact, that her her failures with money actually led her into a career with money. I think most of us kind of bumble through our 20s, make big mistakes and then hope to recover from it. Were you great Mm -hmm. with money? And that's kind of what got you into helping people navigate their issues with money. Um, I am fully human when it comes to money, which means that the way that I behave with my own financial life is in many ways very different from the advice that I give to other people. Not in terms of the practice, but because I am a big feelings person. And that was the thing, that was the the truth I had to learn about myself that was very, very relevant to my financial life, is that I am going to feel things very deeply and intensely. And so I need to have guardrails. Sometimes those are agreements with myself or commitments that I make to myself. Sometimes those are ways of bringing in like another person. Give us an example. I'm so curious. So my big feelings mostly come out in the way of avoidance, like the way that I want to control an experience, a stressful experience for myself is to go, not going to look at that, not going to make a decision. As you can imagine, Avoidance is a really big problem when it comes to money. Financial issues compound when we're not paying attention to them. So less stress, it it sounds like. Learning that confronting it is helping you have less stress about your finances. Yeah. And when you talk about these big feelings, people, the pandemic has made us Mm. all into big feelings, people. About everything, every day, constantly. And our money, right? All the time. That too, yes. (laughs) So what are you seeing as a financial therapist, what has been the impact of the pandemic on our stress levels? I feel like there's been kind of a a split. Um, And I saw this happen in the recession in 2008 as well, where something major happens that kind of disrupts our, our business as usual. And for many of us, that creates, first of all, a crisis of meaning, Whereas maybe the the deal that we had made with ourselves around our financial choices, um, for example, like I'm going to take a job that's that I think is more secure, even though it's not as closely aligned with my passion as I would like it to be. And then we get in a situation where all of a sudden security is not what we thought it was. That's not the deal that we thought that we were making. So this is the split. Some of us double down on the existing strategy and say, okay, if there, if I was controlling the situation before and now the situation has changed, I'm just going to bring more control to this situation. I'm going to try to, to do what I'm doing, but do it at a higher level, do it better. What we find with another group of people is that they go, oh my gosh, that was all a dream. 
it turns out I only have this one life. Security is not as important to me as I thought it was because maybe I I know some friends whose lives are very different. Maybe my own life is very different. Maybe I lost a job and now there's an opportunity for change, even if I didn't seek that opportunity out. So for those people, there's, you know, Maya Angelou has that quote that if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. So this is the group that is changing their attitude and recalibrating the context of that decision in terms of a a new understanding about how the world works and what they want their life to be. If people are listening and they just feel like, yeah, this has been a really terrible year for me financially. I am stressed. I'm acknowledging that I'm stressed. I know I should do something about it. What, what are the three things that somebody should do now, today? One of the first things that we want to do is to have a container for money. My current way is literally after we wrap this interview in my calendar is an appointment that's called Amanda Loves Money. <laughs> Because I'm giving myself a cue to to embrace what's happening in that container. I'm committing to myself that I'm going to, in this period, check all of my account balances, go over my statements. I'm looking at our cash flow for the next month to three months. I'm reviewing what has happened. Previously, I'm thinking about taxes and if there are phone calls that I need to make, like that goes into the Amanda Loves Money container. That's my container. That's the the commitment that I've made with myself where I do money stuff. And the reason that I have that container is because having a time and place to think about and pay attention to money is our best protection against thinking about and worrying about money all the time. So when I have questions that come up or worries that come up, I say, I'm going to think about this and and look at this when I'm in my container. (laughs) And my container is the place for rewiring these neural pathways, which were established when I was younger. So having this time where, where I've set the rules of engagement is important. You can also have a stop point in your life too, where it's like you have these different um, activities, like I'm going to open all of my mail, I'm going to look at my statements, et cetera. At the bottom of that list, it says stop. And then you notice if you still have any stress, if you're still feeling really keyed up, that's when we want to engage in stress on stresses terms, when like how we're experiencing stress in our brains and bodies. We can call a friend because connection, emotional connection helps us feel less stressed and alone. We can go for a walk. You know, there's a a ton of behavioral science around being able to engage with stress in our body that, that can help us reset our our circuitry. I mean, we're trying to do these complex tasks when we're in a fight or flight or freeze mode, and that's not what our human operating system would advise. And these are some things where I I feel like if we understand that stress's role is often to bring our attention to something, how can we differentiate once we're paying attention, whether that stress is signal and something that, that requires action, or whether it's noise. And we need to have a better way to move through that with ease so that it isn't something that that complicates and confounds our ability to make good financial choices. How do you make sure that in that moment where you're trying to figure that out, you don't take that financial stress, and Jean was talking about this earlier, right, and 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 make a bad decision because at least an action feels like you're doing more and feels like it's a positive direction than doing nothing at all. Even if at the end of the day, 
doing nothing was a better strategy. How, how do you not make bad decisions due to your stress? So first of all, we need to understand that a decision exists in a moment in time. A decision isn't some perpetual option that we can keep open. So sometimes we need to make decisions and understand that once the decision is made, we don't have control of the outcome. And again, that's the reality. And we might have feelings about that. That is sad. That makes us vulnerable. That can hurt. But but we don't want to set ourselves up to be fighting reality because that's really not helpful. Amanda, so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all your insight. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks for having me. And that's our show for today. If you have a question that you want us to answer, just visit us at planefe.com. Go to the Everyday Wealth page. And if you're interested in a past show, you can download Everyday Wealth wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Listen in each week to hear fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help you elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com. Find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.